and then we're going to dive in. Rick Moses. Rick Moses. Man, you're kidding. How you doing, man? Look at you. Aren't you grateful you're an NBT? It's, it's every day is a very exciting thing. All right, I'm going to read you the scripture. We're going to be reading from the NIV, and then we'll get right into it. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Let's pray. You, O God, are glorious and great, powerful and mighty. You, O Lord, deserve our praise, our affection, our attention, our honor, the words of our lips, the emotions in our heart, the actions of our lives. You are worthy of all of those. And so, Father, I pray that we would see you as you are, a glorious God who's deeply head over heels for an unworthy people. And, Father, I also pray that as we come in here with different, different stuff that's going on in our lives, Lord, I know that some here are just struggling so bad in their marriage. They're hurting, and it's difficult, and it's hard, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would minister to them now. Father, that you would just start speaking to their heart, that they would humble themselves to recognize that they're part, if there is a problem, that they're part of that problem, and that you might make them part of the solution. Father, I pray for those who are, have children who are living lives that are just breaking their hearts. I pray that you would meet Lord, I also pray for the children whose parents are just not living for the gospel. And Father, I ask that you would stir up the hearts of those parents and guardians, uncles and grandmothers. And Lord, that you would stir them to have an affection for you. Father, I also pray, O oh God, that during this time you would remove any distractions that we might be able to focus on you so that you might be lifted high. Lord, that you would be the focal point of our devotion. And Lord, that during this service, you would speak to our hearts in way that would, ways that would fame the name of Jesus. Lift him high. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I am so glad to see you here. We go back to our ladder, of course. Isn't that tree beautiful? Yeah, I just, I thought it was really, really nice. Um, I am so glad to see you all here. Uh, let me tell you a story. Um, let, well, let me tell you where we're going first. Um, 
where we're going today, and the big lesson that we want to learn today is this, and I just want you to just kind of hold on to it, okay? Jesus is not just a good example, although he was an example, absolutely. But he's our substitute. Listen to me. Jesus is not a substitute. I mean, not an example. He's a substitute. This is huge. Now, uh, I want to give you an illustration of this. Um, When I was young, I was about 16. My brother had a really, really important... My brother, who's five years older than me, was... I can't remember what he was doing, either going for a job or maybe he was going for... Um, he was going for something, like it was a job or something that was really, really important to him. And so in the process of this job, he had to take a physical. Like, you know, he had to go to the doctors and they had to check out his uh, body. And what happened, what they discovered, is that he had um, an issue with his heart. Uh, and, my, and the funny thing about it is that my brother was, he worked out. I mean, he, he exercised, he lifted weights, he was really, really really in shape. In fact, if I showed you pictures, you'd be impressed. He was like Jean-Claude Van Damme. He looked beautiful. He was like wonderful. Like, no, really, he was really, really in shape. And so he ate right and he, you know, he ate right and he, you know, exercised and he slept right. And, you know, it's kind of all that stuff. He did it all right. But when he went to the doctors in order to get cleared for this position, he was found with like a defect in his heart. Sure, that it was because of something that he ate or something like that. They said, listen, you're because they saw him, you're obviously in shape. So why don't you just come back, maybe you're stressed, just make sure you get plenty of rest the night before and all that other stuff. Well, he wasn't so sure. So what he did was that he asked me, Edwin, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to this hospital and I want you to say your name is my name and I want you to take these, uh, uh, you know, physical uh, tests for me. I was like, I don't know, man. Not, you know, at 16, I wasn't living too nice either. And, you know, I was, in fact, I was living pretty badly and I was doing some stuff. And, you know, some of you know my story, but I was doing coke by the time I was 13. So 16 wasn't much better. And I was like real, real bad. And you're listening to me preach. Yes, it's true. And so, and so, uh, um, so I, I was a little bit nervous. I was a little afraid, but it couldn't be as bad as his. So, so he sent me and I just went. And so, you know, Mr., you know, so they called me, they, 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 they called me and, you know, I, I answered by his name and I did all that stuff. And, you know, a couple of times I forgot to answer because, you know, they were calling me, uh, you know, and, you know, and so forth. Right. So um, they did this whole deal and I went um, through this whole process. And then it was the funniest thing. The woman said, you are in great shape. You have the heart of a 16 year old. Like, Really? I get that all the time. It's a true story. She actually said that. I thought that she called. At that time, it wasn't that cute. I thought she was calling me out. Like, I was like, what do you mean? You know, because I was nervous and all that, right? But um, she said, yeah, you got the heart of a 16-year-old. I was like, that's great. And then so we went through the thing, and I passed for my brother and all that other stuff. Well, my brother realized, and it was funny, because my, what my brother did not need at that time, at least he felt, and forgive the illegalities of the story. I'm going to get to where we're going with this. What my brother did not need was an example on how to have a healthy heart. He, he had, I mean, he had, he could give examples on how to have a healthy heart. My brother didn't need to be instructed. Oh, this is what you should do. You should eat right. You should sleep right. You should exercise. You should do more cardio. You should lift more weights. He didn't need that. He didn't need instructions on how to. What my brother didn't need was a good example. Like, you know, hey, watch me. And, and you know, 
and, and do what I do. And you, My brother had everything that you would ever have to ask for a healthy body. What he had was a defective heart. And that could not be helped. That could not be exampled through. That could not be, you know, given a suggestion on how to do it. My brother had an unhealthy heart. And he couldn't pass the test. And he needed someone to pass it for him. I think we all get into places like this at some time or another where you just don't need another example. You, you, you need somebody to come through for you. Right? You need somebody. And, and what's it called in baseball when the pitcher is about to go up to bat, but you go, the, the pitcher is usually not a very good hitter? It's called something. What's it called? Designated hitter, right? What, see, we don't need this pitcher to get more instruction in pitching. I'm, I'm sorry, to get more instruction in hitting. We don't need to show him more examples. He's been show, they've been showing him examples for the last, as, however long he's been playing baseball, which is, if you're a professional, your whole life. Right? We don't need any, he doesn't need any more examples. You know what he needs? He needs a replacement. He needs somebody to take his place. He needs someone to come in for him to hit that home run, to knock that ball out of the park, to do the, you know, to get the runner, you know, the RBI. He needs someone to replace him. I've had this happen in my whole life. Have you ever wanted to take a test and you just didn't say, and you didn't need, you didn't need any more time to study for the test. You needed to, I mean, if you could, and some of you did, you know, uh, you needed somebody to come in and take the test for you, right? Isn't it true sometimes with your, especially in marriage, you know, you have that conversation, right? A couple of weeks ago, my wife said, um, you know, uh, I want to talk to you. <laughs> That's never a good thing. That's never a good thing. I want to tell you from experience. When my wife says, I want to talk to you, it's, it's just, this ain't going nowhere good. I'm not going to have any fun in this conversation. And it's, you know, but she's, you know, trying. And so I wish, I, at that point, I could get like a, you know, like a, a me and just go, okay, go. Have this conversation with her. Tell me what happened so at least I'm, you know, aware. You know, and don't you have things like that, right? You know, where your boss, you know, the big boss is going to come in. You wish you weren't there. You just wish somebody could replace you for a day. Because, because sometimes you just don't need any help. Sometimes you just don't need an example. Sometimes you just don't need someone to give you instruction. Sometimes. You need a replacement. The Bible, God knows this. And the Bible speaks about our desperate need, not for an example, but our desperate need for a replacement. Not our desperate need for instruction. And although we do need instruction, I mean, goodness sake, we're here, aren't we? To be instructed in the word of God. More than that, the Bible says, you and I need a replacement. And so God knew this so deeply that he put several, I mean, the entire Bible is a story of our desperate need for replacement. How God instructs and we try and we do the best we can and then we fail. And then we try and do the best we can and then we fail. How many times, how many times have you gone into a, a counseling session or, you, you know, you were going to try something new 
And in the very beginning, even before you began, you were, you were a little discouraged. And this is the reason why. You were a little discouraged because you said, you know, I know me. I'm going to do good for a little bit. And then I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cancel out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail. I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop doing what I'm supposed, like, you, you know, have you ever, have you ever done that? You go, you know, I, I, I want to work steps. I want to work steps, but I know me. I, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to teeter out. You know, I, I want to work on this relationship with my wife, but I, but I know me. You know, I want to eat healthy. Listen, January's not far from here, right? We got some resolutions that, you know, I'm not even making fun. I'm like, I'm with you. I'm just like, you know, I want to eat healthier. I want to do right. You know, I want to exercise more. I want to, you know, but I know me, Right? I'm like one hagen away from like an utter relapse, right? And, and food, right? And it's just, but, but watch this, watch this. God knows this about us, and he knows that we do not need instructions, examples, how-tos. We're such a hot mess, he says, I'll send a replacement. Think about that till your hairs stand. We don't need a better way, more instruction. We need for someone to take our place and do what we'd like to do, but feel we can't. Experience what we deserve to experience, but could not bear. To love like we wish we could, but no, we don't. God knew this about us. And so all throughout the Bible, he puts this idea. You need a replacement. You need a replacement. You need a replacement. It's in the law. It's in the, it's in the, the, the legal system. It's in when, when, uh, when, when a woman would have a, a husband. And that husband and her would, you know, would enjoy a relationship. And she would have a family. And then that husband would die. It was in the law that some relative... And especially, if, if this is, let's say, if she did not have any children, it's in that, that some relative would not, would have to marry her and would have to give the child his name. Because he was not just a, a, an example. He was a substitute. Over and over, you know, the, the Bible in the Old Testament says, you've sinned. There's, there's a blood remedy. The only thing that will appease, the, not appease, the only thing that will satisfy, the only thing that you can possibly, what sin deserves is blood, death. For the wages are sin, are death. And so in the Old Testament, you had rams and bulls. You had, you had sheep. Why? Why? Because we, we, we didn't need, and they didn't need an example. They needed a replacement. They needed their sins to be laid on someone other than themselves. God puts this in, in such perfect focus in this one place. Now, there's another place, second, um, either 1st or 2nd Corinthians 15. I can't remember which one it is, 1st or 2nd. But um, God puts this, I mean, it's just kind of like almost there. But these are some of the most powerful words 
in the Bible. What I just read to you and will read to you again and will ask you to read along with me and will ask you to go home and read again and meditate on till the hairs in the back of your head stand are the words that God said. You can't do it. I know you want to. I know you've tried to. You want to be a good husband. I know you want. Listen, listen. You can't. You want to be a good wife. I know you want to. You can't. You want to pursue God and read the Bible and grow in faith. You can't. But the story doesn't end there. So before next week, we're going to look at the manger. Before we look at the manger, I want us to look at the cross. Because the manger, as precious as it is, as wonderful and spectacular and miraculous as it is, it's just a precursor to the cross. So open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 3. We're reading from the NIV today. I know we've been reading from the ESV for a while, but NIV I thought was appropriate um, today. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Woe. Wait up, you mean if I get the Ten Commandments and I try to obey them as, and I try to obey them to the best of my ability so that I can get relationship with God? He goes, yeah, yeah, those people, watch this, you're under a curse. Whoa, 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 easy. What do you mean I'm under a curse? I can't be under a curse. I'm trying to obey God's law. Listen, listen to the wording here. All who, what's the next word? It's where your reliance is. Are you being good for goodness sake? Are you, are, are, are you, listen, are you, are you relying on your goodness to give you relationship with God? Here's how you can tell. If you ever found yourself um, like you had blown it really bad and you, you feel like you can't pray, to God, you're like, oh, I can't pray. I just feel so guilty. I just yelled at my wife. I just told my kids, you know, two or three things. I just, you know, uh, 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 compromised at work. I, I lied to a client. I, you know, whatever it is that you do when you sin. And then after that, you feel a deep sense of guilt. And after that, you go, I'm not praying. I'm not going to church. Listen. Listen, this is the big, this is most of the reason why we lose so many people from this church. Not because the preaching is bad or they're not meeting, you know, we're not meeting needs or anything like that. No, listen, listen, listen. It's because you sin. And because your reliance, you rely on your relationship with God to be your performance. You are, listen, if you can climb really high up the ladder, if you can get really high, if you can, if you can, be on top of your moral game, then you can be accepted by God. Look at me. Now I can pray, oh God, thou great and heavenly Lord, you are worthy of my adoration and praise and you pray, but God forbid you should fall from this thing. God forbid I should fall from this thing.
then the cross is not sufficient. See, because the issue is, is you're higher than the cross. You're higher than the cross. The cross is good as an entry-level thing. It's good to get you in. But come on, man, if you're going to keep this relationship, you need to, listen, you need to be good and do good and act good and know good and, you know, what, what is it? Now, in this culture, in this Jewish culture, it was observing the law. In our culture, I think it's staying clean. Now, don't hear me say, ay, Dios, señor, because some of y'all will leave here and go, yeah, you know, Pastor Adam said I didn't have to stay clean, and I, so, you know, you know, give me a Bloody Mary, you know, or something, whatever you, you know, whatever you take, right? You know, glug, glug, you know, mom's little helper, right? You know, you get, right? No, don't hear me say that. But if you've put that, if you've put that above the cross, you're under a curse. If some of you think it's, it's, it's being, it's being in a really happy home and having a good marriage. And, and nothing wrong with a good marriage. I want a good marriage, don't you? But I tell you, if you put it above the law, you're under a curse. Everybody knows you're just bound to fall. Isn't there a little tension in you? Aren't you just like concerned? Gosh, if, he, if this tips over, he's done for, right? Sure. But this is exactly where you sit. You're on shaky ground. And you think this is scary for me. I'm more scared for you. If you rely on anything above the cross, you're under a curse. Insofar as God not being able, listen, listen, you're under a curse. You're damned. Go ahead. Help help out a bunch of kids. Go ahead. Let me tell you something. Feet, you know, even in Pedro's ministry, as glorious as that ministry is and as wonderful as I think that ministry is, and I think that all of us should be participating in Thankful Thursdays, and in fact, Thankful Thursdays will move bi-weekly, right? right? You know, it's like first and third Sundays and stuff like that. If you rely on you doing, if if you're really close to God, if you're really close to God, when you serve the poor, But you're not when you don't, then you found something that's above the cross, and you're cursed. What is it for you? What is it for you? Now watch this. Reading your Bible, reading your Bible, coming to church, all these things are good things, but the word we're we're focusing on is what? Rely. We cannot rely on these things. Let me tell you something. I may or may not stay clean. I don't know what my life is going to entail. I don't know if I'll get into some terrible accident and go into the hospital and come back home with a, you know, like, you know, that you come back home with a habit and not be able to stop. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if, listen, listen, listen. ask me if I want to stay clean. I do. I mean, like, I'm emotional about it. I really do. Like, I just want to be clean. I just don't want to ever go back to worshiping that feeling or that drug or that. I just don't, I, I just don't want that. But if I put it above the, I'm already cursed. I'm already sunk. Maybe, maybe if your life is full and good and everything is right, if she loves you. I mean, if she loves you, 
Everything is good and perfect. You're on shaky ground. You're on shaky ground. And if you put that above the cross, there's nothing wrong. I want her to love me too. Don't get me wrong. You know, I want my wife to love me. I want uh, her to be affectionate towards me. I want her to be kind towards me. But listen to me. Shaky ground. Maybe your kids, they don't turn out the way you want them to. You're just a failure. Listen to me, you're under a curse. You're under a curse. Cursed. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Here's his reasoning. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. He reaches back to Moses and he says, unless, why, why? Because you have to do everything in the law. And are you, I mean, honestly, who here? Who here can say, I've done everything that the law has asked with good motives? Who here? Right? Because I understand you're in church and you say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. And I'm not really bad and I'm not cheating on my husband again. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going out behind my wife anymore. And I'm not lying as much. And so, and so you go, I'm pretty good. I'm, 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 I'm worthy. Listen, listen, listen. Curse, if you don't keep every bit of that. You know what that's like when you've made a relationship your God. Because you never bat a thousand. I mean, some of you are sitting right here. And you just came from arguments where you say, you know what? Everything I do is not good enough for you. Here's what you've done. You've put your relationship above the cross. And because your God is not pleased with your sacrifice. Let me tell you something about idols and gods. Idols throughout history have always been ruthless and bloodthirsty. Listen to me. They still are. And they require your blood and your sacrifice. And whether it's your girlfriend or your job whether it's the way people view you or your clean time, just will never be enough. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Remember, we talked about this for a couple of weeks. We said that it's by faith that we live. How do we get in on this thing? How do we come to Christ? How? By faith. Let me ask you another question, class. How do we grow in Christ? By faith. It's by faith we grow. It's by faith. You don't, you don't, that's because of your moral performance. Because if we focused and we relied on a moral performance, we just wouldn't be enough. And it's not even something I have to sell you on. You know, and I know. Listen, listen, because the law is not based on 
faith, verse 12, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. In other words, you don't put your faith in the law, you do the law. Whether you put your faith in it or not. You don't, you don't, you don't worship the law, you do the law. You don't ask the law for help, you do the law. You don't seek the law for wisdom. You do the law. You don't ask law to help you during difficult times. You do the law. The law is just there to be done. But the Bible says, no, no, no. The righteous, the ones who are pure, the ones who are lifted up, the ones who are dearest and closest to God, the ones who are loved by a creator who can create magnificent universes and yet cared enough to place every hair on your head. The ones who are loved deeply by that God, they're loved by faith. What? The righteous shall live by faith. You know why it's faith? Because when you look at you, you don't, isn't it true? There are certain things you don't tell people because if you told them, they wouldn't like you very much, or at least that's what you think. Isn't it true that if I told you everything that, you might not, let me tell you something. If I came up here and I told you everything I've ever done, and, and, and I mean, gee whiz, this year, you might not want me to be your pastor. That's just possible. And, here's a, and before you get too focused on me, if you came up here, I might not want you to be in my flock, right? Like, I might just go, okay. I think you went, you know, one too many times, right? Well, what is it? What is it? But that's why it's by faith. Because we don't look at ourselves and see anything worth loving. We don't look at ourselves and go, well, of course you love me. Look at how great I am. Well, of course you love me. Look at how perfect I am. Well, of course you love me. Look at how just, you know, you know, exquisite I am. I'm such a great dancer. I'm such a good singer. I'm such a good relational person. I'm so emotionally intelligent. I got so many friends. Nobody ever goes and says, yeah, look at how great I am. Of course you love me. That makes sense. No, we look at ourselves, because you, listen, because you're just like me. And in truth, our clothes cover up a lot, right? A lot of defects, right? But there are moments where we stand before the mirror, and we go, hmm, not perfect. Not perfect. Not perfect. Like we look, and we say, imperfect. Why? Why? And so, listen, listen, listen. So we believe that he holds us in his hand and we believe that he's forgiven us and we believe that we have deep relationship with him, not because of anything we've done, will do, have done, going to do. Listen, but by faith, because we're cursed if we look at it any other way, then we're relying on our own strength. All right, if you're here and you're new, this is really intense right now, right? And if this is your here, if you're here for the first time, I just want to, I want to, I want to, listen, listen. If I was in your living room, I just want you to picture for a second that I'd be in your living room and sitting down. If we were having this conversation one-on-one, it'd be with tears in my eyes. Just 
I'm just, and all I would be trying to do is get you stirred up to understand that when you rely on your, in America, you ask any, the polls are almost unanimous. When you ask anyone, how do you get to heaven? High, high, high percentage. How do you get to heaven? It's by being good. It's the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. You can't be good enough. Listen, listen, how crazy would it be to have a God to require you to be good in order for you to get to heaven? Isn't that insane? Like, and you go, no, that's not insane. That's perfectly rational. Of course, God would require. Well, let me ask you something. How good? How good? I know it's good as you are, right? But how good are you? Right? Have you ever told a lie? Well, sure, sure. Well, all right, then we at least know that God will allow at least one lie into heaven. Right? What about two? Like, where's the lie? Like, where's the line? Is it after 57 lies? Maybe after 200 lies. Give yourself a big number. Maybe after 20,000 lies. Like, how good? Like, you know, where's the line? And, and, you know, have you, ever, have you ever deceived anyone? Ooh, well, how many times? You know, all right, well, God wouldn't keep me out just for deceiving anyone. See, the thing is, is that we think that we're good, and God is trying to over and over and over through our experience, through scripture, through his promptings in our hearts, through our conscience, let us know that we're not good. So what's the line? How good do you have to be? Where's the line? Where, where is it that, like, you know, okay, I told 235 li- lies. Oh, no, I'm under. I didn't make it. But I told 234 lies. Woohoo! I made it. Is that the God we serve? How mean-spirited is that God? Like, think about this. Imagine. Imagine with me. You had a teacher. And some of you got teachers like this. Um, Imagine if you had a teacher in school. And the teacher said, 95% of your grade is going to be on this one test in in the end of the semester or in the end of the year. And, and if you don't pass, you can't get into the, the work of your choice. You can't get into the career of your choice. Right? Imagine if you had that teacher and you go, wow, if everything is riding on that one test, I better know. So you raise your hand like a good student and you say, so what's going to be on the test? Like, what, what's the subject? He goes, not telling you. Not telling you. He goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> What topic is it on? Is it on geometry? Is it on world history? What is it on? He goes, you're going to have to figure that out on your own. And he goes, okay, no, 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 really. What area? He goes, not saying. That teacher would be insane. You couldn't pass a class like that. So how much good do you have to do in order to get to heaven? God goes, I'm not saying. But surely as good as you are. Listen, listen, listen. Cursed is anyone. Do you see why they're cursed? Not because God is like throwing a hammer on them. Because every day of their life it's like, oh, was I good enough? Oh, did did I climb up the ladder fast enough? Am I doing good enough? Oh, gosh. You see, um, you're cursed because it's a nightmare living like that. This is why husbands go crazy. Okay, women, I'm going to give you, all right. Because I, I, can, I can only speak about, all right. 
This is why men go crazy when their wives are like upset and they go, honey, what? Simple question. Not a hard question, not complex. Doesn't require a law degree. Simple question. It's like, honey, what's wrong? What's the answer, ladies? Nothing. Here's a clue. Here's a clue. If your husband is asking what's wrong, he already knows the answer. He just wants to know what it is. It's frustrating. Guys, can I get an amen? Well, maybe not. Yeah, right, yeah. It's frustrating. Wait, what happens? What happens? So and then you go, no, 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 really. What's wrong? And then, wait, wait, wait. And after we push and push and push, if we don't know, you're not, what is it, ladies? If we don't know why you're upset, you're not, you're not telling. You're not just telling. You're just not going to tell. Watch this. And if we don't know, listen, if, well, if you don't know, I'm just not going to tell you. I mean, because I just, I mean, I've, I've talked about this 2,000 times, and if you just don't know, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just Having a wife who does that on a regular basis is exhausting. Let me tell you why. Because everything is pins and needles, right? And then, listen to me, I'm under a curse if I have a wife like that. Because I wonder, I have to invent why my wife is upset with me. It must have been because I didn't, you know, I didn't sleep with her enough. You know, like have, you know, conjugal visits with her enough. So I know... I'll try more and then find out, (laughs) boy, was I wrong. That wasn't it. No, surely it must be because, and you have to invent, you know what? I'm cursed. I'm cursed. You know why? Because I'm in a death match of guessing game and wondering and pressure. And then, here's the thing. I could be doing something that's totally innocent to me, but infuriates her. And while it's obvious to her, it's completely... And I'm just doing it, and I'm gaining more and more of her wrath, whereas every day I just feel like I don't talk. What happens? The curse gets greater. I don't talk. I don't share. I don't communicate. I don't. I just stay. I come home, and my wife will say, you know, and this is not my marriage. You know, my wife, thank God, you know, she says, Edwin, we need to talk. And, you know, so I got the other side of the street. But now, um, but watch this. It used to be like that. It used to be like that, for sure. And so, and I go, she goes, Edwin, why don't you talk to me anymore? Listen to me. Listen to the question. Edwin, why don't you talk to me anymore? Because I'm under a curse. The father says, why don't you talk to me anymore? And now you know the answer. Why don't you pray? Why don't you seek after the law? Because you're scared. You're waiting for him to hammer down. You you don't bat a thousand so you know if every time you talk to him, he's going to hammer you down. Are you starting to understand why you don't pray, why you don't see God in his word? It's because you're under a curse if it's all about your performance. Christ, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Finally, the good news starts coming in. All right, here it is. I'm going to read to you verse 13. This is powerful. Christ, matter of fact, I want us all to read verse 13 together, the whole thing. One, and watch watch this. Nice, loud voice, like, you know, like you're going, you know, 
You know, like when you do that in the sports arenas? I want you to read nice and loud here, okay? All right, here we go. One, two, three. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. You don't have to listen. Listen, listen. This is where the good news comes in. You know why we don't have a teacher who never tells us how to pass exam or a wife who won't share why she's upset or a God who can't be pleased no matter how good you are? You know why? Because Christ didn't come to be an example. He came to be a substitute. How I want that's just to wash over you. That's the good news. Amen. That's worthy of, yeah. Amen. That is the good news. That Jesus said, you don't have to guess. You don't have to perform. You don't have to climb up the ladder. You don't have to make your way. You don't have to try harder. Do better. Listen, I knew you couldn't. So I became the curse for you. I I tell you what. I tell you what. I'll give you what I deserve, relationship with God. Jesus, Jesus speaking. I'll give you what I deserve, relationship with God, a clean slate, beautiful and perfect, accepted and loved in the eyes of God. I'll trade you. I'll give you what I deserve, and you give me what you deserve, the curse and suffering. All of eternity and all of hell, I'll trade. He says, you'll take what I deserve and I'll take what you deserve. And we call this the gospel. You're removed from the curse. I take on the curse, Jesus says. And he exchanges it for, your righteous, for his righteousness unto you. So imagine this. When God the Father looks down at us. And he says, and then Satan comes in and says, but look at what he did. And, you know, didn't you know that he relapsed a couple of months ago? And didn't you know, like, right, I mean, there's just a few of you who you've relapsed and you swear you're just not going to tell anybody. And you know what? God loves you like crazy anyway. He knows. And there's some of you who have just blown it in your marriage. You keep on doing the same mistake and the same mistake and it just goes, you know what? I love you. If you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, do the best you can. I mean, just really, honestly, just do the best you can. And I just, I pray mercy on your soul. Christ redeemed us. He bought us back. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Verse 14. I love this because it's the purpose clause. Why? Why would Christ do this? Listen. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. 
you can receive the promise of the Spirit. Listen, he did it, right? Because remember how last week we talked about the same way you get in is the same way you grow, and that this is not new in the Bible. This is, and Paul pulls back all the way in the Old Testament and says, no, 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 this is how Abraham got in. It's not two, it's not two kinds of ways to get into the kingdom of God and grow in the kingdom of God. This is true for Abraham. It was true for Joseph. It was true for Moses. It was by faith and not by works. It was by faith and not by effort. It was by faith and not by law. It was by faith and not by trying. It was by faith, by grace, through faith. And he says, that's the way I come to you. Let me tell you what this looks like in your life. That means, that means, if you, you know when some of you suffer, like you go through real suffering, right? I, I, I don't understand real, real deep suffering. I understand some suffering, and I can tell you some stories. But um, when you suffer, especially if you receive the trauma as a child, you say things like this, what's wrong with me? What did I do to deserve this? Right? You say that, I'm going to free you today. When you suffer, even if you're in Christ, sometimes we suffer and we go through difficult things. I mean, I'm talking about the suffering, not that you kind of created for yourself. Like, right? Like if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I, if I got cancer and I've been smoking for 40 years, right? You know, I'm suffering for sure, but, you know, there's no guesswork on why it's happening, right? Everybody knows. You smoke for 40 years, you get cancer, right? Nobody's, nobody's wondering, well, gee whiz, how did that ever happen, right? And so, but I'm talking about the kind of suffering you just don't have an answer for. You kiss your baby, she goes to school, she never comes back home. And you suffer. And you go, you know what? God must be punishing me for something that I've done in the past. Listen, that is for people who are under the curse. That is a belief for people who are under the curse. Well, the reason that my relationship is so bad is because, you know, I did all these, uh, uh, you know, unrelated, you know, because I lied to my dad, because I, you know, because, you know, when I was like a kid, because I did drugs, whatever. You know, this is why. This is why. Listen, listen. That's for people who are under the curse. You're not under the curse. When you suffer, you can run to Jesus and go, Lord, you suffered for me. You suffered for me. And I'm going to go through this limited suffering, this limited difficulty, but I don't need you to show me. I need you to replace me. Would you suffer well for me? Because I can't suffer well here. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I know that you suffered on the cross for me. So would you not just suffer for me? Would you suffer through me? Because the Spirit lives in us. The same Spirit that was resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of us. God can suffer through us, even through a bad marriage, even through a crippled child, even through uh, death, even through what you're going through. What about, what about when sin is beating up against you? You know, that sin that you swear you're never going to do again, but you just did it last week and you don't want anybody to know. And You know, you know that sin, right? You know, that's it. It could be OTB. It could be a couple of clicks away. It could be whatever it is, whatever your sin is. Maybe it's glug, glug. Maybe it's pop, pop. Maybe it's tap, tap. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's toke, toke. Whatever it is, whatever your sin is, that sin that you keep on falling back on, you fall back to Christ. You say, 
He who knew no sin became a sin. He became sin for us. He who was blessed became a curse. He took on my sin. So I'll never be able to say, I can't control myself. Because Jesus died for that sin. And because of that, I can, let's say, you, let's say your sin is that you just wait for people to accept you and approve of you. And your, your sin is just, you live for the approval of others. Oh boy, you just live for the approval. You don't live, you go, watch this, you take a step back. You take a step back and you go, wait up. Because Jesus became a curse for me and gave me, and I gave him what I deserved, and he gave me what he deserved, I'm already accepted. I'm already approved of. I'm already found kosher grade A. I'm already found the most perfect, beautiful. I am found, listen, ladies, I don't have to starve myself in order to get to a particular weight that even those models that you see don't get to. I'm already beautiful. I remember one day, I stood before the mirror and I was naked. And I'm just, I'm just an insecure guy my whole life. And I just said, God, thank you for my eyes. Thank you for the nose that you gave me. Everybody always made fun of my nose because it was too wide. I was like, thank you for my nose. And just, because I'm accepted already. I'm loved deeply. I'm loved. I'm loved. Because Jesus became a curse for me. I'm already accepted So I don't, why would I have to run and chase your approval when I've already been approved by God? Why would I have to run for your acceptance that I've already been unconditionally accepted by God? I don't. And now I can love you in godly ways rather than try to manipulate you to give me what I need, like acceptance and love. It's the gospel. What about, what, about, what about if you struggle with greed? What about if you struggle with greed? You look to the cross and you say, wait up, wait up. Why am I holding on to all this? He's given me all that I needed. In the cross, he gave me salvation. He gave me an eternal life. He gave me everything that I needed. Listen, if he gave me that, why would, why would I have to fear that he would withhold anything else from me? then you can be generous and other people can be blessed because of you. What about if you're a liar? Let me tell you a couple of things about lying. um, There's really two reasons why we lie, right? One is that we try to avoid suffering and the other is we try to gain pleasure. That's two reasons you lie. You either try to avoid a consequence or you try to gain a pleasure. You try to avoid a suffering or you gain a pleasure, right? Listen to me. So that, you know, when I lie, right, and, you know, gosh, when when do I lie? Um, You know, when uh, some guy calls me up and says, hey, I've been looking forward to your, uh, to the appointment that we have tomorrow. I'm like, me too. I can't wait. And I'm just thinking, what's his name? Did I have an appointment with him? I just don't remember. I'm just like, you know, but I'm lying, right? No, I'm just lying. I know, it's just me. You don't do that, right? And so, and so when I lie, what am I doing? I'm just trying to gain the approval of others. I'm trying to gain a pleasure. I'm trying to gain a pleasure. Watch this. What if, what if I realized that I'm already viewed beautiful? I'm already viewed precious. What if, because if God, if God would go to the cross, Jesus would go to the cross for me, 
then I can live in the truth because he faced all the lies and all the cursings. I can live free. And I don't have to cover up lie with other lies, with other lies, with other lies. I can just, this is really, this is who I am. Really who I am. And I'm free in Jesus. Imagine, imagine if we started to live like Jesus was our substitute and not just our example. Imagine, imagine, what sin do you think God can't take on? Can Jesus do it? Then God can do it through you. What, 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 what vice do you fall to that God can't conquer? Can Jesus do it? Yes. He conquered the grave. He conquered death. He conquered the cross. Surely he can conquer your smoking habit. Surely he can conquer your relationship difficulties. Surely he can conquer. Surely he can conquer your addiction to that thing, that person, that. Surely he can conquer your insecurities and your trust in finances rather than trusting him. Surely he can conquer that. If he who overcame the grave didn't do it just to be an example for me, but a substitute. So here's what I want you to do. All week. All week. Remember, anybody remember the bracelets, the Christian bracelets? Some of you weren't in the Christian uh, community back then, and it was like big in the Christian community. Remember the bracelets? It was WWJD. Anybody know what that means? What would Jesus do? Here's what I want you to do. This entire week. As you walk and as you get yourself prepared, and as, listen, listen, listen. If you suffer from rejection, like you were rejected when you were really young, you're accepted by God. The cross answers it all. So what I want you to start asking yourself, not what would Jesus do, because he's not your example. He's your substitute. He's your replacement. Now watch this. What if throughout this entire week, we're faced with a moment where we're given a choice to lie. And we said, not what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do? He died on the cross so that I might be free. He became a curse so I might enjoy the joy of knowing God. What if you said that and said, I'm accepted. I can tell the truth. I'm already loved. I can tell the truth. What if you were holding on to this money that God is saying, you know what, I just want you to give it so other people can be blessed. It might be at this church, it might be in another, some other place. And what if you said, I'm letting it go, I'm trusting you, oh Lord. Help me to be wise with the rest of my finances. What if, rather than saying, what would Jesus do, you would ask, what did Jesus do? Well, I, I want to give something. Well, wait, wait, wait. Jesus gave. Jesus gave every drop of blood. Jesus gave his whole life. Wow. What if you're having an argument with your wife? Or your husband. And, 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 and they're, just, they're just, I mean, they're getting into you. And they're telling you everything you've ever done. And boy, you know, you always do this and you never and you always, you know. You ever have those, those are kind of arguments, right? And so you're just kind of receiving the brunt force of that. And you can just say, you know, what, not what would Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus took scorn. And he took, and took ridicule. And he took all this other stuff. And what did he do? He rested in the Father. Jesus, won't you rest in the Father through me? You be my defense. The cross is my defense. It's my hope that's secure. Our lives would be different. Your family wouldn't recognize you. They'd have to ask, who are you? And you can tell them to the Father, 
I look a lot like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, my prayer is that we would we would not just wonder what would Jesus do. We would not just see Jesus as an example, but that we would see him mm, as our substitute. That when we're anxious and full of fear, the God who took away our curse surely can address some of the things that we're worried about. Maybe that bill. Maybe those monies we owe. Maybe the strength of our relationships. Maybe where our kids are going. Maybe the future of our workplace. When we experience anxieties like that, Lord, would you remind us, Lord, that if you took on such a great foe like death and eternity and hell, surely you won't leave us because we're no longer under the curse. We're under the cross. Father, help us to never be above the cross. Help us to remember forever that which you've given to us. You've given, you've given to us what only you deserved and you've took on yourself what only we deserved. Thank you, O oh God, for I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen.